0: You know, at this time of year, I remember when I was a kid, and I obviously love this time of year, even as an adult, but when it became this time of year, you knew what was coming next, right, after Thanksgiving? And as a kid, it seemed like December was the longest month ever, right? Because you were just absolutely looking forward to Christmas for so many reasons, because depending on what all you're doing, Christmas meant that you know you might get some uh, a nice gift or two. It meant that you were gonna get a break from school for at least a little bit. It meant that you might be able to go see some people that you don't normally see all year long, and when you're a kid, you liked those people. Okay, I'm just kidding, no, I'm just kidding. And so you, you, were, you were always anticipating and always looking for, and it just seemed like it took forever for those things to get there. And I know then, isn't it good that though you grow up and then you become just an incredibly patient person isn't that good right we do that right we all grow up and then we just become incredibly patient people we don't want anything right now we just wait for stuff and it's just easy isn't it no it's not is it you know when i think about that even more the the impatience that i had for a kid it really just kind of masks itself in an adult form and perhaps i i i am more maturely patient uh, impatient but I'm still just impatient. There's things that I want, and you go ahead and say this. When I want something, I want it when? Now. That's right. That's true for all of us. That's your first blank, by the way. I want it now, okay? You want the sermon to be over now. You want lunch to happen now. You want you want Thanksgiving to be here already. We, we want things now, and it's just difficult to wait. It just truly is. And so have you, I used to... Um, I, used to, I remember when growing up, you remember when you used to have to wait a week to watch your TV show because it only came on once a week, instead of them putting it all out at once and you could just binge watch the whole thing in a weekend, back in the day you used to have to wait and then there were even these things in the middle of them called commercials that bothered you right in the middle of them, okay, and one of the things though that I always appreciated was that since you had to wait a week, that most of the time when the show would start they would do what? They would recap things that have happened before, right? Like the first three minutes of the show is just telling you all the things that had happened before you reached this point. Well, I want to do that for us a little bit this morning. We left Paul in Acts, we left him in prison. And we left him in prison not because of anything that he had done wrong, but because of things that he was falsely accused of. And as he was being falsely accused, even though he had done nothing wrong and even though he had made it to Jerusalem and had done the things that were asked of him there, that still landed him in prison because of the rumors and the things that had been spread about him. And so here he is in prison. He, he had come to Jerusalem to celebrate and to deliver an offering <clears throat> and then he ends up in prison. And that's kind of a derail of your plans. But where we left him is in Acts 23 verse 11. When he was in jail and he was probably, you know, wondering why all these things were happening, the Lord spoke to him and the Lord said, have courage, for as you've testified about me in Jerusalem, so it is necessary for you to testify in Rome. So Paul had made it back to Jerusalem after sharing all these good things with people. He ends up in jail but as he's there and probably wondering what all is going on, God says, hey, these things that you've done, you just have courage because you're going to have to testify about me in Rome. Now. If God had come to me, or if God had come to you and He said, hey, you're gonna testify about me in Rome, when would we think that's going to happen? Pretty soon, right? You'd think, okay, good, well then we're gonna get out of this jail probably tomorrow, maybe make some plans, start heading to Rome sometime soon, you know, we'll make this, well let's paint a picture here, I'm gonna cover a large portion. Of acts I'm going to cover three chapters I'm not going to read it all to you this morning you should read it okay we're going to start in the middle acts 23 and I'm just going to kind of walk you through the time that God told Paul that you're going to testify to me in Rome and then we're going to see what happens after this the first thing that happens is that Paul's in jail and he finds out through his nephew that there was a plot to take his life that they wanted to do a prison transfer And in that prison transfer, what they were actually going to do was ambush and kill Paul because these people, the Jews, were very upset with Paul. They wanted to take his life. They did not like what he was doing. They did not like what he was saying. They were anti-everything that he was doing, and they were doing everything they could to take his life. Well, that was found out about, and so then Paul is taken with about 100 guards beside him to Caesarea at night. He's moved away. And then as he's moved away, they write this letter to the governor up there and says, look, here's this guy. He's, I don't really understand what he's done wrong, but these people are out to get him, and so I'm sending him to you, and he needs to have a trial. And so the next day in, in Caesarea, it's actually five days later, it says that Ananias, the high priest, came down to Caesarea with some elders and a lawyer named Tertullius. These men presented their case against Paul to the governor. And so they're arguing about Paul. Paul gets to talk to the governor and he says, because you know, and you've been a judge of this nation for many years, I'm glad to offer my defense in what concerns me. Now, that's a key word there. He's glad to offer. Paul is looking at this opportunity before Felix and he says, hey, I'm glad I got this opportunity. Because I know that you've been someone who's overseen this land for a long time. I'm actually kind of glad that I've got this opportunity to talk to you. And he fills the governor in on everything that's happened to him, how he's falsely accused, how he'd done nothing wrong, and then this goes on. And it says in verse 22 of chapter 24, it says, Since Felix, who was the governor, was well informed about the way, meaning Christianity at that point in time, he adjourned the hearing and he said, When Lysias, the commander, comes down, I will decide your case. And he ordered that the centurion keep Paul under guard, though he could have some freedom, and that he should not prevent any of his friends from meeting his needs. Verse 24 tells us that several days later, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and listened to him on the subject of faith in Jesus Christ. Now, as he spoke about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix became afraid (laughs) and replied, leave. But when I have an opportunity, I'll call for you. And in verse 26, it says, at the same time, Felix, the governor, was hoping that Paul would offer him money. So he sent for him quite often and conversed with him. And so here's this picture. Paul is about to go on trial. They're going to kill him, so they sent him to Caesarea. He goes on trial there. And the governor there says, I'm going to decide your case in a few days when this person comes down. But then what happens is he continues to call Paul from prison, and he's talking with him often. Paul's sharing with him his faith, but the governor is keep, keeps trying to get this bribe out of Paul. And this just goes on and on and on. And then verse 27 comes along. After two years had passed, Porcius Festus succeeded Felix and became, and because Felix wanted to do the Jews a favor, he left Paul in prison. So Paul, who had done nothing wrong, who was in jail because he was accused of something that he didn't do, had been there conversing, and then all of a sudden now, two years pass, and this governor moves on and leaves this case for the next governor. And this governor shows up, and it says, three days after Festus arrived in the province, he went up to Jerusalem from Caesarea. Now, look at this. The chief priests and leaders of the Jews presented their case against Paul to him, and they appealed, asking for asking a favor against Paul, that Festus summoned him to Jerusalem. Okay, so a little over two years has passed. The new governor shows up on the the scene. He goes to Jerusalem, and the people who wanted to kill Paul a couple of years ago, the first thing they say is, hey, by the way, there's this guy in prison in Caesarea. Can you send him to us? And you know what they wanted to do? They wanted to ambush him and kill him. You know, I learned a long time ago that when something really upsets me it's probably the best thing for me to walk away from that for a little while you ever learn that thing right and and you learn that sometimes you walk away and you get some perspective apparently these people have no perspective because after two years the first thing on their mind is can we still kill paul please he's in prison with you and and we'd like for you to send him down here and so this is what's going on so he says well look I'll, i'll hear the case and if you have something against him, you're going to need to come up to Caesarea. So they all come up to Caesarea, and they go through this whole case again. And as they present it, it says Festus conferred with his counsel. He replied that Paul appealed to Caesar because Festus shows up and he goes, I don't know what to do with this. You should go back to Jerusalem. And Paul knows what's going to happen in Jerusalem. He says, look, you should be able to decide my case. If you can't decide it, then I want the court in I want Caesar to decide it. So Paul appeals to Caesar, which means that he has to go up to Rome, hey, look how that's happening. And he says, okay, fine, you want to go to Rome, go to Rome. But then, several days after that, King Agrippa and Bernice arrived, Bernice, I always like that in the middle of scripture, Bernice, okay, arrived in Caesarea and paid a courtesy call on Festus. Since they were staying there several days, Festus presented Paul's case to the king saying, There is a man who was left here by Felix. And when I was in Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews presented their case and asked that he be condemned. And I answered them that it's not the Roman custom to give someone up before the accused faces the accusers and has an opportunity for defense against the charges. So when they assembled here, I did not delay. The next day I took my seat at the tribunal and ordered the man be brought in. The accusers stood up and brought no charge against him of the evils I was expecting. Instead, they had some disagreements with him about their own religion and about a certain, listen to this, about a certain Jesus, a dead man that Paul claimed to be alive. Have you ever stopped to think about the perspective of Christianity from someone who's not a Christian? This man gives a wonderful explanation of it. They're arguing over a dead guy that they claim is alive. I mean, that, that's where the, this man's totally confused about what's going on. and He's saying they're all arguing about this and I don't know what to do and it, he says since I was at a loss in a dispute over such things I asked him if he wanted to go to Jerusalem to be tried there but when he when I said that he appealed to be held by trial for the emperor and I ordered him to be kept in custody until I could send him to Caesar and so Agrippa says well I want to hear the case all right so Paul is in prison and he gets to share with the first governor now he gets to share with the second governor and now he gets to share his testimony with the king of the time. And he goes through a wonderful, the reason I think you should read this, and here's what you should look for. Look how Paul shares his testimony to the first governor, and then look at how Paul shares his testimony to the second governor, and then look at how Paul shares his testimony to the king who happens to have a Jewish background, and he shares with these type of things. And every time, Paul gives the same account with a different flavor because of his audience who's in there. And so, Paul has this opportunity over and over and over to share his testimony because he's in prison. And he gets to this end and he's sharing with Agrippa and I I love this. It says as Paul, now remember, the same man who said they're arguing over this guy who's dead who Paul claims to be alive, Paul in verse 23 of Acts 26 says, the Messiah must suffer." and that the first, and he should be the first to rise from the dead, and he would proclaim a light to our people and the Gentiles, and in verse 24, it says, as Paul was saying these things in his defense, Festus exclaimed in a loud voice, you're out of your mind, Paul. Too much study is driving you mad. But then Paul said, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus. On the contrary, I'm speaking words of truth and good judgment. For the king, who happened to be there that day. For the king knows about these matters, and I can speak boldly to him. For I am convinced that none of these things has escaped his notice since this was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you believe. Agrippa said to Paul, are you going to persuade me to become a Christian so easily? And Paul said, I wish before God that whether easily or with difficulty, that not only you but all who listen to me today might become as I am, except for these chains. The king, the governor, Bernice, and those standing with them got up. And when they, had, when they had talked with each other, they left and said, this man is not doing anything that deserves death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been released if he had not appealed to Caesar. So here's Paul in jail promised by God he's going to go to Rome, and then I just went over about two and a half years of things that were happening after God had promised Paul he was going to go to Rome. We're in the middle of the story. He's about to get on a ship, and that's going to get even more difficult. We'll talk about that (laughs) next week. But Paul's trying to get to Rome, but here's one of the things I want us to look at. What does it look like for us to be actively patient? What does it look like for us to be at work while we wait? You know, 2 Peter 3, 8, and 9, I put it on your outline, it says this, Peter wrote from this perspective, he said, dear friends, don't overlook this one fact, with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. The Lord does not delay His promise, as some understand delay, but He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. You know, we're, we're talking about what it means to follow Jesus. And I just want to say this this morning. To follow Jesus, I have to learn to be actively patient. Actively patient. Now, what in the world are you talking about, Pastor? Actively patient. Active patience means this. That I do what I know I should be doing. Where I am right now, and I trust God with what the future holds. That's what active patience means. What is it, what do you mean, I do what I know that I should be doing? Well, okay, I'll just give you one example. One thing that we've been praying as a church, that we've invited people to pray all year long, we've been, we've been inviting them to pray Acts 4.31 with us, that we would be filled with the Spirit of God and that we would speak the world, that we would speak God's Word boldly in our community. That's one thing that we should all be doing. You know, we, we talk at our church about being a light in the community, and, and, and we talk about that in a very specific way. What, what do we mean, be a light? And we've made an acrostic out of it. Being a light means this, that we live out what God's Word says. We live it out, that if God's Word tells us something, then we don't just believe it, but we live it out. That's what we mean to follow. The I means that we invite others on this journey of faith with us. We're, we're constantly looking for ways to either invite people into our lives or to share the gospel with them or invite them to church or whatever it means to help bring others along in this g we get in a group okay that's what we talk about get in a group well, why well because you know we we so appreciate the fact that you come to worship together but where we really encourage one another and have iron sharpen iron and find that connection is when we're within a group with other people we can talk about things that are going on in our life and we can have some people there to support us so we talk about those things h we help serve others okay that's something that we do we help just serve other people well what does that look like honestly do we have to explain what helping serve other people means find some, see a need meet a need there help serve others if you can meet that need and do it and whether it's in church out of church at your job on the street whatever it is help serve others and t we take time to pray we take time to pray over everything so that's just a quick example of doing what we know that we should be doing and something that i thought about in here is as i look through this story now i know That Paul had to become discouraged at times, right? Because you know he's he's wanting these things. He's looking forward to these things. And it's just like when I was little and, you know, Thanksgiving rolls around and you know what's coming next and you just can't wait. You know, how many more sleeps until Christmas and you're just, you just have that anticipation. I know Paul probably had the same type of anticipation about going to Rome. And yet it was delayed and it was delayed and it was delayed. But here's the amazing thing that I never saw in anywhere in this story, in Acts and in any of the things that he ever wrote, I never see him get impatient. And that's just convicting to me. You know, one of the the first stories that you see in all of Scripture, in the book of Genesis, one of the earliest stories, is you see God make a promise to a man named Abraham. And he makes a promise to a man named Abraham that I'm going to bless you and all the nations of the world are going to be blessed through you. And Abraham's going, I don't know how you're going to do that, God, because I don't have any children. And God says, you're going to have children. And Abraham gets impatient and he tries to help God out. And so he finagles some ways to get done what he thinks God wants him to do. And it ends up kind of causing some issues, doesn't it? (laughs) You might want to say just a few issues in his life. And yet God's still faithful to God's promise to Abraham, but all the while, because Abraham tried to get in front of God and he tried to do things in a different way, it also caused this whole set of issues. I don't see that with Paul. And it's hard to preach about things you don't see, isn't it? You have to contrast those things sometimes, and there are plenty of things that I'm sure that Paul got wrong and we can talk about, but man, there's one thing in this that God made a promise to Paul, and Paul was waiting for it to come true. And it just kept getting pushed off and pushed off and pushed off. And I never see Paul try to finagle it. You never see him try to force it to happen. You never see him get in front of God. You just see him be actively patient to the point that while he's in jail, falsely accused, and on trial, he goes, what an awesome opportunity that I have to be able to speak to you, the guy in charge. And I wouldn't have this opportunity had I not been thrown in jail. This is great. And I just go, oh my goodness, I would be whining and complaining and pitching a fit that I'm in jail and I've got to get to Rome and God told me this was going to happen and I've got to go do this because God said this was going to happen and I'd be all distracted and messed up but I just see Paul going, I get to talk to you and that's awesome and I get to talk to you and that's awesome and I get to talk to you and that's awesome and the next week we're going to talk about he gets on a ship. And he gets to talk to all those people. And he gets shipwrecked and he gets to talk to those people. And he's thankful everywhere he goes because he just keeps doing what he knows he's supposed to be doing wherever he is at the time that he is. And God blesses it all the while. That's active patience. We can't just continue to look to the future and think that, well, I can't do this because. You know, I believe that one reason God gives us the story of Abraham Is because he knows it's difficult for us to wait. So let's just talk real quickly. What does it look like to wait well? (laughs) You know, because the truth about life is this. We know that no matter how good life is today, there's something in our hearts and in our minds that's looking forward to a better future. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter where you are in life. There's always some things that we're looking forward to. But how do we wait well? Well, the first thing is this. We have to remember that God is leading. We have to remember that God is leading. Now, go back to that Peter passage that with, with God, a day is like a 1,000 years and a 1,000 years is like a day, which basically is a great way of saying God does not worry about what time it is. And if I were preaching this in South Louisiana, I would say God's a Cajun because he just shows up when he wants, where he wants, however he wants. It doesn't matter what time it's supposed to start. He may be early. He may be late or whatever. That's one thing I learned in South Louisiana. There is no clock in South Louisiana. And I grew up here in Fort Worth, Texas, where 15 minutes early is late. You know what I mean? On these type of things. And that probably plays even more into our culture of, you know, when God said I'm going to do something, I'm ready for it to happen now. But time is in God's control. Uh, he, he has numbered the days of our life. And he has prepared in advance good works for us to do. And so God knows how much time you have to be able to do the things. And he's saying, I'm giving you plenty of time to do everything that I've called you to do if you'll just get to work on it right now. That's what we do. You see, so when we come to that passage and it says, after two years had passed, Festus succeeded Felix, and because Felix wanted to do the Jews a favor, he left Paul in prison, and where that would be very depressing to us, and I'm sure it wasn't very exciting to Paul, Paul just kept on. Paul just kept on. He was actively patient. He just trusted that God was going to do something with this. And I came across this in study this week, it's a quote by Charles Stanley, I think it's there in your, I don't know if it's in your outline or if it's on the screen. Help me out. Is it on your outline? Okay, so it's on the screen. Uh, But it's from Charles Stanley and it says this. It says, whenever the distractions disorient us, we forget that God is our leader. Instead, we try to coerce him to follow us. Getting out of step with what he wants for our lives. Jesus told his disciples that following him meant staying with him. Serving the Lord does not happen if we're not walking with him, and we cannot walk with him if we're racing ahead of the pace that he sets for us. Sometimes getting ahead of God and forging ahead on our own conveys the message that we do not need his help. So basically, when we get impatient and we run ahead of God, we're saying, okay, God, I've got this. I don't need you to help me anymore. You've told me what I need to do. I'm just going to go do this, and I do it on my own. And i say this all the time the things that we do on our own we do the absolute best that we can do but the things that we do in god's power we do the absolute best that god's power can do now which would you rather have in your life the very best that you can do or the very best that god can do you see that's a reason that we should be actively patient and that we should help we should maintain and remember that god is leading in our life the second thing that we can do if we're going to wait well be where you are. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I'm the world's worst. I'm the absolute world's worst. You can be talking to me. I can be looking at you, and I can be thinking I've got to. And I, you're saying words, and they're going in here, but my brain is processing things that have to happen later. Anybody else have that issue? So if I'm ever that way, you have permission to go, pastor, okay, and I'm good. Just zone me in right here at times because if life is busy or if things are going on, or if I, it is hard to just be here and I am amazed at Paul's ability to just go, we're in jail, let's be in jail. Let's just be in jail and let's just own this. This is great. I can witness to people here too. I can do what God has called me to do right here just as easy as I can do it in Rome so why wait? Let's just do it now. And Paul has that incredible ability to do it. And it's very inspiring to me. And I'll just say it this way. You never have to wait to do the right thing. You never have to wait to do the right thing. If you know the right thing to do, then do it. And do it today. Do it now. That's what you can do. Could you imagine if Paul said, well, one day God told me I'm going to get to Rome. And boy, when I get to Rome, this is going to be awesome. But until then, I I guess I'll just sit here. We wouldn't have any of this stuff. He would just be going, I'm, just, I'm waiting for Rome. I can't do anything God wants me to do until I get to Rome. God told me I'm going to Rome. And it's all talking about Rome and, Rome and Rome and Rome and be like, hey, Paul, we're right here. What do you want to do? I just want to go to Rome. Does that sound like anybody you know? Does that sound like any church you've ever been a part of? Boy, one day if we're ever able to do blah, then we're really going to be able to reach this city. <laughs> can't we do that now? When, What's limiting God's power in your life or in our church right now? Absolutely nothing. Who owns all the resources in the world? God. And so why can't we just get on this right now? Let's just be where we are. And I love Paul says, I consider myself fortunate that it's before you, King Agrippa, that I make my defense today and all and against all the accusations of the Jews, especially since you're very knowledgeable about all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. Paul just keeps plugging along. He's right where he is. Paul found the purpose and the joy of being right where he was. All the while waiting on God to fulfill his promise that, Paul, you're going to testify about me in Rome. But Paul just didn't talk about Rome this and Rome that and one day this. Paul just kept on being where he was. I think that's a challenge for all of us. It's a challenge for me. So, Pastor, I appreciate that point. Thank you, Linda. That was good for me. And so thank you all for listening to that. But then the next one is this. I think while we're patient and while we're active and being patient, here's something to work on. Work on for instead of from. Work on for instead of from. What can I do for those that are around me today? Instead of saying, what can I get from those that are around me today. That's what Paul did everywhere. You you see, you don't want to be that type of person that's just always looking in the future only trying to reach a goal because whether you realize it or not, if you're only motivated by what this future goal could possibly be without realizing it, you become the person that begins to look at those people around you and you evaluate them very quickly saying can they help me get what I want, no, then I'm moving on from this person. And you're only looking at getting something from them that's going to lead you to the place that you believe that you need to be, and you're going to miss out on the opportunity to be where you are and be a blessing and do something for those people that God has placed you around today. And that's the type of person we need to be. This is what Paul kept doing. Hey, I'm going to go ahead and curse myself and my family. We are getting on a plane tonight, and we pray there's no delays, but if there's any delays... I hope I'm this person. But I hope there's no delays. Amen? Okay. I mean, let's just be honest about that. But I mean, we're, we're traveling for Thanksgiving. But say it gets delayed. Say something happens. What type of person? am I Can I be the type of person that's just where I am? Can I be the type of person that works on for instead of from? And that's when Paul, Paul's talking and he shares his testimony and Agrippa says, are you going to persuade me to become a Christian so easily? And Paul says, I wish that whether easy or with difficulty, not only you, but everyone who's listening to me today might become as I am, except for these chains. Paul's desire was that everyone would know God and who He is. I think it's an incredible picture. Now, like I said, I covered a big chunk of Acts today a large part of the story, but the story had a similar rhythm. It was a derailment of a plan that Paul just kept plugging on. And then it would get derailed again, and Paul just kept plugging on, and then it would get derailed again. And, and it kind of goes on like that. And when we look at our life that way, and we think, I've got these plans, I've got this hope, I've got this future I want to get for, get to. And when those things get derailed, the question is always, now what? What happens in your heart when plans get derailed? What happens in your heart when things don't go your way? I think we have a great picture of what it means today to be a follower of Jesus Christ. When we're a follower of Jesus Christ, we're saying that I trust God with my life. And so we can learn to see any derailment that happens in life as an opportunity that God has put in front of us to continue to live out our faith. And so that would be my challenge to you today. No matter where you are in life, will you take that opportunity to live out your faith? And the question you may need to ask yourself is this, how can I trust God with my journey today? How can i trust god with my journey today this might not sound like it makes sense when i first say it but trust me it it will if you'll listen to it for just a minute perhaps you will never get where you're going until you get where you are first think about that perhaps you're never going to get where you're going until you get where you are So the challenge for us today is be the person that God has called us to be and be that person today.